Good morning again. It's good to see all of you here. Um, we are still moving forward, talking about the end times. If you guys remember, last time I was here, we talked a little bit about the last warning. Hey, this is going to happen. Now we're going to talk about time of trouble, which is something that's going to happen just before the coming of the Lord. And so before we were saying, hey, we got to get it together. Now understand that even if you get it together, things are going to get a little bit ugly. This is biblical. So I do want you to pray with me one more time as we call upon the Lord before we open the scriptures. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you. And at this moment, we're just asking for the continued outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon my lips, upon our hearts and our minds, as we open the scriptures for wisdom and clarity, and also upon our hearts in a sense that we want to be more than just people that listen to the word. We want to also be doers of the word. And we're asking, Father God, that especially during the time of trouble, that you bring these things to remembrance. We ask this humbly in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's go ahead and jump right in. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. We'll have that on the screen. And look what it says. And at that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands, watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Here you have a statement, a prophecy of a time of trouble, something that is going to get very ugly. You've heard me mention last time and many times before that about this idea of the three angels' message, this idea of coming out of Babylon, this idea that judgment has come, this idea of what's going to happen to the wicked people, but also who are the saints, those who persevere, those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. This is recap now. If you are just hearing this for the first time, check out past sermons. And also, look at the Word of God for yourself. Dig into Daniel, uh, into Daniel and into Revelation and let the Word of God speak to you directly. So what's happening here in Daniel 12.1 specifically is telling us that things are going to get ugly. It's telling us that there's going to be a period where people do the work that needs to be carried out. But then after that... Something is going to happen. You see, last time I was here, we talked about the latter rain, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit equips you to carry out a task. The Word of God tells us that the Lord is not going to come until everyone has had a chance to accept Jesus, to accept the gospel message. But how would they have a chance to accept it unless someone will go and bring Christ to them? And how do we do that? Through the Holy Spirit. And then after that, there will be like a, 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 a final moment, like the door is shut down. Years ago, about four or five years ago, I preached a sermon entitled The Year 119. It was a play on what happened with, with Noah because, you see, Noah was uh, talking about the flood is coming, the flood is coming, the flood is coming. And for like 120 years, he preached the flood is coming until one day the time was at hand. The doors were shut, and then seven or so days later, the rain began to pour down. But at that point, when the rain came, you were either in the ark or out of the ark. And so even though the Lord is not dragging his feet about his coming, he is simply being merciful and patient because he doesn't want any of us to perish, there will be a time that it will be 
done. The doors will be shut. You're either in the ark or out of the ark, metaphorically speaking. Now, I'm saying this not because I'm making it up, but it's right from the Word of God. Check out these two verses, Revelation 16, 17, and look what it says. It says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Similar to when Jesus died on the cross, and he says, It is finished. Revelation 21, 6, look what it says. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Are we thirsting here for the word of God? Are we thirsting here for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And so you have to understand that at this moment when it is done, every case has been decided. Remember the, the, the three angels message in Revelation 14 where it says that the hour of his judgment has come? Now the judgment is taking place right now. We are living on that. Remember, the Bible says that when the Lord comes, his reward is with him. That means that the case is being pleaded right now. First, for those who are dead that once lived, and then for all of us who are alive. And once it is done, it is decided exactly who, what, when, where, and how. And so Christ has made atonement for his people. He has blotted out their sins. And those who have accepted it have received it. But those who have rejected it will not ever receive it again. Revelation twenty two eleven. the very next chapter continues. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. It is done. And so I'm bringing this to you because I need you to understand, if you didn't get this from the last time, we're getting very close to the end. The Lord is being patient in his grace. But there will be a time that you're either in or you're out. If you're holy, let you be holy still. If not, then let you be not still. You know, that, that's the idea. This is biblical. This is prophecy. And so I want you to understand that it was not going to be all pretty. Things are going to get ugly. This morning we finished the 13th out of 13 Sabbath, Sabbath school lessons dealing with persecutions and times and troubles and trials and tribulations and all of those things and how fitting that that is. With today's message, and it wasn't done purposely, but it just seems to be, to be the way that it works out, which makes me wonder, what is God trying to tell us? Do we sense the urgency? Are we seeing the warning signs? See, you have to understand that here's why the time of trouble is going to happen. Things are going to get ugly. We must stand in the word of God. Because of the troubles that come, those who stand on the word of God are going to be then mistreated by our brothers and sisters, by our neighbors, by our parents, by our children, by our co-workers. Why? Because they're going to say to themselves, all this bad stuff is because of you Christians. Because you guys are not following what the government is saying. You guys are not following what the popular church is saying. You guys are just doing your own thing, claiming to be from the word of God. And so it's your fault that this is happening to us. So off with your heads. Because it is better to, 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 to do that to you than all of us should suffer. Didn't they do that with Jesus? John 11.50, look what it says. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. 
They did it with Jesus, and they're going to do it with Jesus' followers during that time of trouble, such as he has never been seen before. And I'm not saying this to scare you. I need you to understand this is just a larger picture of the things that are going to happen. But we have the last warning. Christ is coming. But when he's coming, between now and then, things are going to get a little bit uglier. As a matter of fact, the people of God are going to be plunged to a situation similar to that of Jacob, which the prophet Jeremiah described. And I don't think if you guys ever fully understood that, but we need to understand a little bit of Jacob to comprehend this. Jeremiah 30, verse 5. Look what it says. It says, For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Verse 6 continues. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. Do you see the picture? The pain is so bad. By the way, for you guys who dismiss what ladies go through, here's a prophet explaining that, all right, whether a man is even in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands in his loins like a woman in labor and all the faces turn pale? Verse 7, alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And that is the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. Things will get ugly for us just like it did for Jacob. We're, we're going to be like, like, like women in labor. Ow, ooh, painful. This morning, you know, Malvina mentioned a little bit of that in our Sabbath school. You know, her, her children are like grown. And she's like, oh, I remember the pain. You know, it, it, it's something you remember. But it, is, it got that bad. And it will get that bad. But just like my God saved Jacob out of it, he will save us too. Great Controversy 618, look what it says. As Satan accuses the people of God on account of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. Their confidence in God, their faith in and firmness will be severely tested as they review the past. Their hopes sink, for in their trouble, for in their trouble, sorry, no, their hopes sink, for in their whole lives they can see little good. They are fully conscious of the weakness and unworthiness. Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that the strain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes so to destroy their faith that they will yield to his temptations and turn from their allegiance to God. You know, I always tell people, if the enemy cannot get you to fall into sin, he will then try to discourage you. If he cannot get you to be discouraged, he will get others to falsely accuse you. If he cannot get to turn you to sin, to be discouraged, to get others to falsely accuse you, he will make you too busy even about God's business that you no longer have a relationship with God. Either way, he'll do his best to do this, to, to create a bridge between you and God. And God says, hey, let's talk for a little bit. Not now. I'm too busy trying to bring people to you. You know, either he, he'll get you some way, somehow. And this is why we need to hold on dear to God. This is coming. And, you know, one of the biggest things that we can do, this seems to happen to a lot of us, is that guilt aspect. When we do forgiveness, and I've mentioned this before, especially when I do like marriage counseling and things like that, it says, you know, um, uh, ask for forgiveness, but then one of the steps is forgive yourself. Many times we don't. Many times we feel really, really guilty for the things that we do, and the enemy keeps bringing that back, but we have to understand 
That forgiveness is forgiveness. That grace is grace. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Matthew 18, when it tells the parable, that's not on the screen, uh, but Matthew 18, when it tells the parable of forgiveness, if you remember something, when it came to that forgiveness aspect, the king, I preached on this like maybe six, seven years ago. No, six years ago. I've only been here six and a half. Um, it was early on. It was the following. The king forgave this guy who owed him the equivalent to $1.9 billion, but at the time, that was 500 years worth of work. So when he begged and said, give me more time, I'll pay you back, he couldn't pay that debt. Yet when he was set free, he found somebody that owed him a hundred days worth of money, and he didn't forgive him. And so the guy said, you wicked servant, why couldn't you forgive him the way that I forgave you? You may or may not be familiar with that story, but I need you to understand something. That the forgiveness that the king gave that servant of 500 years worth of work was only a debt that could be forgiven because he could never be repaid. And the sooner you realize that your sin, your filth, your dirt, everything that you possess is only something that can be forgiven. You cannot make yourself right with God. The minute you try to make yourself right with God, the minute you mess it up all over again. You need to let him be the one to change your righteousness for his. Revelation 5.20, look what it says. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. The more messed up you are, so you could hear better, the more messed up you think you is, my God provides a lot more grace. Don't you realize that? I mean, if you think about it this way, the more debt you have, the more money he puts out. Because he wants to forgive you. He's dying to forgive you. He literally died to forgive you. Do you understand that? But yet the devil will do his best to discourage you. Revelation 3.10. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. See, you have to understand that things are going to get ugly. You may be feeling discouraged, but through God you can have peace. No matter what may come your way. You could be singing praises in prison. You could be asking for forgiveness for those who are stoning you to death. You could be there in the fiery furnace just, just worshiping with Jesus in your midst. I mean, understand that this is possible with God. Isaiah 27.5, look what it says. And this is, if, if, by the way, you could ignore the rest of the message, but this text right here, I need you to take it home. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. You want to know how you can be made right with God? God gives you the strength. God is the one that is wanting to make peace with you. You're going through something. You feel distance from God. Hold on to his strength so that you could be right with him. This is like he writing a check and giving it to you. He says, okay, now give it to me. Like he is he's making all of the provisions for you. So understand that you're feeling weak. You're having doubts. You're struggling with something. Hold on to his strength. Take hold of it. See? There's going to be a time of trouble such as has never been seen before at all. There's going to be a trial that is coming. And all of us must be able to stand in front of God on our own. 
You cannot let your faith. I always ask people, you know, I'm going to be meeting with Dennis early, later this week, and we're going to connect. And one of the questions that I always ask when I meet with people is like, so how are you? What was your conversion story? You know, and just to get to know you. I, I, just, I, just like, I just like to do that. When I meet with younger people, I ask them, what was the defining moment from when uh, God was your parents' God, and then he became your God? You know, because you come to church. So, so when was it that, I, yeah, I go to church because with my parents. This is their God. When did he become your, your God? And, and, and so I ask that because you cannot be saved by your parents' faith. You cannot be saved by what the minister or anybody else says up here. Do. How are you with God? Have you personally taken a hold of his strength? Ezekiel 14, 20, look what it says. Even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. And remember, their righteousness was his righteousness because they were holding on to him. So not even Noah or Daniel or Job could have saved their children. And so all of you here need to stand alone, take a hold of his strength. And it's going to get ugly, so we need to start holding on right now. You, one does not prepare for a marathon the day of the marathon. Uh, okay, so, so you need to do that right now. Revelation 12, 12, look what it says. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. He knows he has a short time. And as the time gets narrower and narrower, he gets more reckless and more bold. But that means he's going to put more effort and more strength into deterring you. But God's people will not be misled. You have to understand that the false teachings that are going to be brought near us, they do not line up with the scriptures, which is why we need to know the scriptures. I mentioned last time or the time before that, that, that the Holy Spirit brings that to remembrance. You know, so, so how can you remember something that you haven't put in to begin with? Come on now. You can't say amen, say ouch, but understand that. Not only that, I do like something that is amazing, and is that God would not permit Satan to counterfeit the, his coming, the coming of Jesus. And I do love that because many people are going to believe that he's here or there or everywhere. Jesus gave the warning, and we'll read that, Matthew 24, beginning on verse 24. Look what it says. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Yes, you. Verse 25. See, I have told you before. And why is he warning you? Why did I preach last time about the final warning? Why am I preaching now about the time of trouble? Because some of you are going to go through and say, oh my, what is this? We've been telling you all along. And so he is telling you beforehand because you see what happens with those who are sort of between believing or not believing. Maybe they consider themselves atheists, but once upon a time they believe. When somebody gets up and starts doing miracles and signs, they're going to get mad at you for not accepting or recognizing that person. See, I have told you beforehand. Verse 26, therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. You will see him. It's going to flash. Even when you're blind. I like my house super dark. I really do. Uh, but even when it's lightning outside, the light still gets in somehow, even through my shades and blinds and curtains and all of that stuff. So imagine the, the coming of the Son of Man will not be missed. Every eye is going to see him. 
Verse 31, look what it says. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Does that sound quiet? Yeah. I, 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 I play trumpet a lot. My mom used to throw stuff at me and, you know, shh, don't stop all that noise. I mean, it's loud. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And Matthew 25, 31, look what it says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his only angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory. He's coming not only with, with like lightning and with a trumpet, but with all his angels. I mean, they're going to be across everywhere. I mean, you're going to see this. Revelation 1.7, look what it says. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Did it say somebody's not going to notice? Wake up tomorrow morning. Where's my wife? Oh, the Lord must have taken her. No, no. Every eye will see him, even they who pierce him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. We'll read this back to back and look what it says. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. I just gave you a plethora of texts. Talking about what's going to happen. He will be in the air. He's not going to be down in that room over there or by the desert or FSU or anywhere else. He is going to be up in the air. It's going to be loud. There's going to be a lot of angels with him. All his angels with him. Okay. Every eye is going to see him. And we're going to meet him in the air. The dead in Christ are going to be rising. This is a picture that, 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 that has multitudes, has sound, and also has a physical stuff. I mean, we must start seeing people just suddenly elevating up. I mean, understand, this is not going to be done in secret. Why is this being said? Because the devil can try to imitate everything, even bring down fire from heaven. But he cannot mimic the advent. He cannot mimic the advent. So this is being done so that we know, because the devil is going to create confusion. The devil is going to be attacking you so that you can be discouraged. But you need to remain faithful in spite of your own doubts. Every time a parent has lost a child, they're telling me, but Joey, if my kid comes back to life and they say that so-and-so over in that room over there brought him back, how am I supposed to respond to that? You know, you must endure. Great Controversy 626.2 says, Will the Lord forget his people in this trying hour? Did he forget faithful Noah when judgments were visited upon the antediluvian world? Did he forget Lot when the fire came down from heaven to consume the cities of the plain? Did he forget Joseph surrounded by idolaters in Egypt? Did he forget Elijah when the oath of Jezebel threatened him with the fate of the prophets of Baal? Did he forget Jeremiah in the dark and dismal pits of his prison house? Did he forget the, the three worthies in the fiery furnace or Daniel in the den of lions? My God is with you. And you may feel like he has forgotten you, but he has not. We've seen this throughout the scriptures. That's why we've got to read the scriptures because it's being repeated over and over. Isaiah 49, 14. Look what it says. Isaiah 49, 14. It says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. How many of us, you don't need to raise your hand, but think about that, have been tempted or have said that, oh Lord, why? Why have you forsaken me? 
Isaiah 49.15, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Do you understand that? I mean, first of all, you ladies will not forget that kid. But you still may, and God will not. Verse 16, see, I have inscribed you, this is prophecy now, on the palms of my hand, your walls are continually before me. He's literally wearing the scars. My mom still loves to show visitors, you know, what we did to her through the C-section. Look, check it out. You know, and, and so that was like the second date my, my wife met her, and immediately she's seeing all kinds of battle wounds. So she emphasized on how big heads our brothers and I had, and so she couldn't have us naturally because our heads were too big. Literally, that's what the doctor said. We have big heads, but we grew into it somewhat. But anyways, but that's just a, hi, nice to meet you. Check out what he did to me. I mean, so understand, Jesus is carrying in, his, in the palm of his hands the wounds for you and for me. Zechariah 2.8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he touches, for who touches you touches the apple of his eye. I mean, you're so precious. You're the apple of his eye. And so understand that God will remember you. He will come at a certain time. Not only that, he's going to be visiting judgment upon those who destroy you. Those who hurt you, those who shed your blood, you are precious to him. He's not going to forget you. You're the apple of his eye. Isaiah 28, 21, look what it says. For the Lord will rise up as Mount Perazim. He will be angry as in the valleys of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. My God is not a God of destruction. My God is a God of life. My God is a God of love. My God is a God of creation. But there will be a time, although it's unusual to him, that he will eradicate the wicked. This is going to happen. This will take place. So he hasn't forgotten you. He's just delaying for our sakes. But then eventually the time will be done and he will go right ahead and eradicate this one. But meantime, he is pleading with you. Ezekiel 33, 11, look what it says. Says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? He is pleading with you. Ezekiel 34, 6. My sheep wander through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. This is what they're thinking now. Verse 34, verse 7, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. You want to know how to deal with the time of trouble? Keep searching and digging into the word of God. You will understand that this is going to happen, and you will find the comfort that you need. Nahum 1.3, look what it says. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and he will not at all acquit the wicked. So understand, there's wickedness happening out there, but he is waiting for you to turn to him. But there will be a time where he will then give the wicked what, 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 unfortunately, what they have earned and deserved because they rejected God. Okay? The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Revelation 16.5, going back to the prophecy of Revelation. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, 
You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. Verse 6, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just do understand that yes it's going to happen it's an ugly scenery and it sounds harsh but it's an unusual act and it is only for our sake that we must put an end to this and say it is done the delaying in this ugliness in time of trouble is so that you can turn and it sounds like i'm beating a dead horse but i need you to understand this i need you to understand this i mean the the, the, the plagues and everything that is coming even talks about how fire is going to be and how it's going to look like look at verse 8 same chapter revelation 6 then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Verse 9, and men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. It's going to be ugly. It's an ugly sight. We still have time. Great Controversy 628. These plagues are not universal or the inhabitants of the earth will be wholly cut off. Yet there will be the most awful scourges that have ever been known to mortals. All the judgments upon men prior to the close of probation have been mingled with mercy. The pleading blood of Christ has shielded the sinner from receiving the full measure of his guilt. But in the final judgment, wrath is poured out unmixed with mercy. So understand, during the time of trouble, there will be mercy. But then at the end, mercy will be taken out. Those who are holy, let them be holy still. Those who are not, will not be. Are you understanding the picture? Now the people of God will be free from that suffering. The one that is without mercy. You're still going to have suffering with mercy, okay? But the, the suffering without mercy, you're going to be free from that. You know, you, you are um, going to receive persecution. You're going to be receive distress. You're going to receive privation and all of these different things. But, you know, uh, you will not be left to perish though. Isaiah 33, 15, look what it says. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, and who despises the gain of oppressions, whose gestures with his hands refuse him bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, verse 16, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him, his water will be sure. Isaiah 41, 17. The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. So yes, you're going to suffer, but it's going to be mixed with mercy now. Habakkuk 3.17, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And for the uh, person that is on the computer, I want to read through the whole psalm beginning on verse 3. We're going to go back to back to back on the psalms because I need this to be your prayer and comfort. Psalm 91.3. Psalm 91.3. Look what it says. 
Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Verse 5, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. Verse 6, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it shall not come near you. Verse 8, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. And verse 10, no evil shall be for you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. I wanted to read this back to back because I need you to understand it's going to get nasty. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be mixed with grace. And you need to hold on to that grace so that even if there's no food or sustenance, my God will sustain you in the midst of all of that. I see how individuals, you know, when you study how many days can they go without water versus how many days without food before they perish. And other people have testimonies. Humans have endured, have lasted. Their sustenance, just like Moses, fed of God. And it is possible. It is possible that even in a drought, you may be satiated with rain. Even in the midst of chaos, you may be like the prophet who had a crow, a scavenger, not eat but bring him food instead. Understand that my God will provide and, and will take care of you. You may feel like you're forsaken. You may feel like, why did the flood come? But I gave you the plans for an ark. Why we're in the furnace, but I'm here with you. So yes, you'll go through it. But you don't have to go through it alone. But it is coming. I have told you so beforehand. So we need to remember these words. We need to remember this especially because the wicked people are going to be throwing it at your face. Somebody called me a couple of weeks ago, and, and they called me in reference to one of my church members there in the Bible study. And says, listen, this person has been trying to be faithful to the Sabbath, but why is he struggling financially? Why is it that he can't do this and that? He's killing himself. He's working 15 jobs. He's driving. He's doing this. He's all that. You know, he's kept the Sabbath. Why haven't the Lord opened the floodgates to him? And I said to him, listen, I don't know that. Somebody was arrested and was beheaded. That was James. Another one was arrested and then he was set free. That was Peter. I don't know that. But what I do know is that no matter what happens here, we need to stay faithful to what doth say is the Lord. And we need to praise him whether things are great or through the storm. And you need to keep your faith. People are going to discourage you. You know who's going to be the worst at this? Your husbands, your wives, your children, your parents, your family. Who's going to be like, where's your faith now? Mm? Why hasn't he delivered you? Matthew 27, 42. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. They taunted Jesus. Why wouldn't they taunt you? So remember, I have told you this beforehand. Last two texts for today and the person on the screen, the last one, leave it there the rest of the time until it's time for the song. Luke 18, verse 7. Look what it says. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It is my prayer 
you know this beforehand. <laughs> you know this is going to happen. It's going to take place. But my prayer is that when this question is asked, that you can say yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Will he find faith? Yes, right here. And it's been rough. I wanted to quit so many times, but I, but I, I took hold of his strength. And he carried me through. And so that is my prayer to all of you. I, I, I will do an appeal, but I don't want to do an appeal because I don't want you to do it for me. I need you to say yes daily and to say yes continually. And the uglier it gets, the uglier it gets, the more his strength abounds. The uglier it gets, the more his grace is available. Take hold of his strength. His and not yours. His and not mine, but your own. Take hold of him. Let us pray. Father God. Lord, we love you, and, and this was 62 slides. This was over 40 Bible verses, and there's still going to be some that are going to say, why are things so bad? I've never, oh, no, oh, me, oh, my. But, Lord, it is so important that your Holy Spirit continue to pour us out in such a way that we are connected with you in such a way, that we have a relationship in such a way, that we are right in your presence, that you are right in our midst, that you are dwelling in our heart in such a way that when the time of trouble comes, not only do we remember the words, not only do we recognize where we are, that we are not alone, but you are within reach so that we can hold on to your strength. Because although I am weak, you are strong. Father God, I pray that the answer to that text on the screen is yes. Will he find faith in the earth? Absolutely. You've told us beforehand, and we are holding on to this faith. Bless us and keep us and help us walk in your ways in spite of what may come our way. This is my humble prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.